love. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I, I referred to a, a date night my wife and I had a few years ago. And uh, my wife informs me she thinks we were only dating when that took place. I thought it was after we got married, before we had kids, but she tells me it was, a, it was, a, it was literally, we were just still dating at that point. Um, and uh, I referred to going to see a Star Trek movie. She allowed me to do that, and she fell asleep in the middle of it. And I ran around this interesting quote this week I thought I'd share with you. It says here, compassion, that's the one thing no machine ever had. Maybe it's the one thing that keeps men ahead of them. When we're talking about love, the word compassion's in there, so what does that have to do with where we're going today and what you're just talking about? That happens to be a quote from Dr. Leonard McCoy from the original Star Trek series. For all you Trekkies, that's, I thought I'd throw you a bone, all right? Um, and, you know, there are things that God's instilled in us that make us in his image. The capacity to love is something God gave us. And it keeps us ahead. But uh, to kind of keep the theme going of machines and love and stuff, I thought I'd give you a little video clip to kind of take a peek at and look at. So, all that being said, let's see what the screen is all about. In light of Valentine's Day, I thought it was an appropriate piece of artistry. Wally's a great movie if you've not seen it. The kind of the point is, listen, Wally's trying to take care of Eve. Eva. You ever seen the movie? Wally. And the whole time, he's going back and forth, doing things, putting himself out, putting himself in danger to meet her needs, to take care of her. Well, maybe Dr. McCoy didn't think. Uh, Machines had the capacity to love, but apparently Disney and Pixar think so. 
And there's this transition that goes on, and periodically throughout the, the course of the movie, not only does, does Wally take care of Eve, Eva, I love that little voice, she on occasion has the opportunity to, to do the same thing for Wally. And throughout the movie, there's this, there's this exchange where they're meeting each other's needs. They're, 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 they're learning to, about each other. And there's this, 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 this weird kind of, my wife's like, what is that all about? What is that? She's, you know, she's not much into technology or sci-fi. And so this weird animation love thing is just kind of strange to her. And, but in there, there's something we can all learn Wally puts himself in, under the, the power of a lightning bolt to take care of, to meet a need of Eve. And we all, uh, true love does this. It seeks to meet the needs of people. Love seeks the best for people. Love in its truest form is, a, is all about finding where people have need and meeting it. All that being said, let's turn to the book of Mark, actually, chapter 12. And look at verse 29. If you don't have a Bible, don't get amped up. I can show you the scripture while everybody else is turning there. Here's where technology is a big help. Mark chapter 12. Let me set the stage here while you guys are turning there. Jesus, as always, is in the middle of a potential confrontation. He's being approached to answer some questions to some people who consider themselves authority-type figures and people of understanding, and they're trying to ensnare him in his own words and, and with their laws and traditions. And this, this lawyer, this scribe approaches Jesus, asks Jesus this question, what's the greatest commandment that God has given us? What's the, what's the most important thing that, Je- that, that, that our Father in heaven's given, given us to do, the most important thing to follow through on? And Jesus answers the question with these words. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. As we talk about Valentine's Day, as we think about, you know, we've talked a couple of times, a whole lot of love month and all that kind of thing. This is an interesting statement. I spoke with somebody else this week, and, and we were just discussing some, some, some things of ministry and stuff, and they said they'd been doing a study about where this initial quote is from in Deuteronomy, that this, this, this the Lord, hero of Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The terminology, that word one, is, is a very, has, has an intimate sort of a flavor to it. It's, it's, it's the same word used in Genesis where the Bible says that Adam and Eve became one flesh. And here's the thing. Jesus starts with this commandment conveying a very powerful yet very intimate concept. The Lord, He is one. He is together. 
there's no part of the Godhead that you can you can really separate one from the other. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, there's God the Holy Spirit. Yet at the same time, if you, you, you see any of them operate, you're seeing the, enti- the totality of who God is. And there's this weird sort of a unification there. And he starts with this commandment to talk about the oneness of God. And Jesus wants us to, to make an intimate connection with him. He wants intimate relationship with us. And Jesus starts there, and he goes on, and he says, you know what? And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And he goes, the second like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. No other commandment. The scribe said to him, let's go to the next little page. The scribe said to him, you well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. There is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself, listen to these next lines, is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Amazing statement from this gentleman, because he's trying to kind of ensnare Jesus to a degree. In his own words. And yet all of a sudden he adds, he goes, Jesus, you got it. And he's a guy who's really amped up about his religious procedure and his religious ceremony and his, how, how he carries out his life. But he says, Jesus, this is the most important thing. More than every kind of sacrifice in, 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 in our Jewish tradition, there's nothing more important than these two things. Because they would often focus on how what they did and how they did it, and they would people would get lost in the shuffle of all that. And he says, "You know what? There's nothing more important than these." And Jesus, in turn, as leading to him, he goes, "You know what? You're not far from the kingdom of God." To get these two things right puts you right where God wants you. Wow! Over the last couple of weeks. You know, I, I, we've, we've talked about love and the concept. First Corinthians 13 starts off by saying, kind of, kind of just bouncing on it. He says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've, found, I've become sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all ministries and, mysteries and knowledge. And though I have all faith so I could move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not love, it probably be nothing. You see, he's looking at two different things. He's talking about the real spiritual side of things, the gifts of the Spirit, the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit. So they need love. He's talking about meeting practical needs of people. Though I give my body to be burned, though I give everything I have to pour, and I don't do those things out of love, with love, with a heart of love, man, I'm, I'm still missing it. Whether I do those things right or not, if I don't do it out of a heart of love for God and a love for my brothers and sisters, out of a love for his creation, other people on this planet, man, I am missing the boat. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. So in, in, we read in Mark chapter 12. There, Matthew, in Matthew 22, it talks about this very situation. Mark 12 talks about it. And in Luke 10, there's a reference to this very same conversation. In Luke 10, there's a question posed to Jesus. And it's this next question. It's, who, who's my neighbor? Last, the last two weeks, we've talked about God's love for us. The first week, we talked about how much God, remember, remember how powerfully God loved us? 
Thinking about this first commandment, it is the, re- the reason that God loves us is the reason we can love him. Remember John wrote, here in his love, not that we love God, but he loved us. Remember that? That love he bestowed upon us that we tried to lock in on a couple weeks ago should so create an attitude and an atmosphere and a heart and a desire to love God that it just it fries everything else in our lives. It should be like us, like Wally, trying to hook up those jumper cables to Eva's power source. Blah! It just ought to just fry everything else and send it reeling in the wrong direction. It's not that important. We can't, there are other things we make so important that aren't, that just aren't. Man, the understanding of his love should cause love from us to go back to him. That would be fulfilling the first commandment, to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our strength, all of our soul, right? Well, the next week we talked about, last week we talked about, remember the love sandwich? You remember the love sandwich? I wish I had like 50 of them. I'd just start throwing them out into the crowd. I didn't get sick. If I was wondering... Peanut butter was okay, uncontaminated. But we talked about that these are the first and greatest commandments, but that Jesus, as he wraps up his ministry, he says, I want to give you something new to tag along onto those two pieces of substance, those two pieces of bread. I want to give you something sticky to put right in the middle of them. I want to tell you to love, your, love one another. You as followers of me, you as people who, 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 who share like precious faith, you who understand that my kingdom is here and my kingdom is coming and all those things, I want you to love one another. And we talked about the necessity for us to walk in forgiveness with one another. We talked about putting on compassion towards each other, to put on kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We talked about those things. And, and here's the thing I, I recognize as I was putting this together this last week. I, I saw that there's, a, there's, a, there's an element of, of degree here. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. He said, dude, put everything into it. This should be the highest love in your life. Right here, right now, should be your love for God. It is the, the ultimate kind of love to, to experience, to express. It should be everything should pale in comparison to that. Then he says, love one, Jesus said, love one another. This is my new commandment to you. But if you read all through Paul's epistles and stuff, Paul makes a funny statement. He says things like this, esteem your brother's interests above your own. He says, love them beyond what you love yourself, how you love yourself. And so here's another degree of love. But then Jesus makes a statement, love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know what that means to me? However you treat you, treat them. Do at least as much for somebody outside the brotherhood as you would do for yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's a tough, that's tough to do sometimes. That's, that's, that's a difficult statement. Listen to Jesus' response, this, 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 uh, this neighbor thing. What, what is Jesus saying? He, he the lawyer, the, the scribe, wanted to justify himself and said to Jesus, Who's my neighbor? Luke chapter 10. Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. 
Now, by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. And he just looks back at the guy. He says, So, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among thieves? The lawyer responds, He who showed mercy on him. Jesus' next response is this. He said, Go and do likewise. Here's the funny thing about this. Jesus says the person who's the neighbor is the person who recognizes the station of life of the other person. Let's talk about it for a minute. According to Jesus, a neighbor is someone who's alive, someone in life, okay? Secondly, Jesus says someone that is in need. And lastly, Jesus says someone that your path crosses. See, because usually our definition of neighbor is what you find in a dictionary. The very first, the Britannica's dictionary says this, number one. Definition of a neighbor, one living or located near another. How many of you go, when I said neighbor, that was the first thing that came to your mind. I got all kinds of neighbors. I live in a subdivision. I got one on this side, one on that side, three in the backyard. Neighbors. Right? But see, Jesus' definition of neighbor is more like definition number two from the Britannica Dictionary. A fellow man being immediately adjoining or relatively near but the next thing is it requires action. The next little comma in that definition is to adjoin immediately. See, a neighbor is somebody, you recognize something and you immediately adjoin yourself. You recognize something going on in their life. You recognize something and you say, you know what, i got to get over there and help take care of that. I adjoin myself to that immediately. i got to figure out how to help them get through what they've got to get through. Immediately. Quick response. There's a, I'm a dad. So I can't help. I, 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 I've said this before uh, this today. This must be Cartoon Sunday or something. I don't know. Cartoon and Machine Sunday. As I was thinking about this, there's a, I, I, get, I get to watch VeggieTales literally every day of my life. My son Caleb is three, almost two and a half, three years old. He's, he's just developed the last six months or so a real affinity for TV. And Bob and Larry are his heroes. Every morning, watch Bob and Larry, Dad. Watch Larry Boy, Dad. Can I watch Larry Boy? Don't want to watch Madam Blueberry, Dad. And then you just, you know, you just, you know, we're just stuck in this vortex of veggie tales, man, just, just spinning around us. There's one little veggie tale that's it's, it's, it's entitled, an episode's called, Are You My Neighbor? And the storyline is little Junior Asparagus has found this kid in his life who doesn't look like him, doesn't come from the same country, doesn't talk like him, blah, blah, and, and, and he's asking his dad, Everybody makes fun of him. Should I be his friend? And they're having this kind of conversation. And he sings this cute little song. I can be your friend. I can be. You know what's the funny thing about it? It didn't hit me till the first service. There's actually a spoof of Star Trek in that episode of VeggieTales. There really is. There's the Starship Apple Pies. And 
Here's this connection of, of realizing. The funny thing about the Samaritan is, the Samaritan in this story Jesus tells, he is completely not on the same level in the minds of the people he's talking to. And he's saying this person who is looked down upon because of his ethnicity, his social background, his economics, whatever, he's saying, you know what? You're on the same plane. And that was like, Jesus, what are you saying? You know what he's saying? Anybody and everybody in our life has the potential to be a neighbor. Anybody and everybody in our lives have need. He said, you be the neighbor. You try and meet the need. You know, uh, so who, who is a neighbor? What, kind, what kinds of needs should we be looking for? Well, listen to these words that Jesus speaks. He's, setting, he's talking about what's going to happen at the end of time. He's gonna be, there's going to be this separation thing happening. The Bible says he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. If you want to look at it in, in terminology, macho-ness guys, he's going to separate the men from the boys in the kingdom. And he says these words. He says, and he will, sit, he will set the sheep on his right hand, talking about God the Father as he is delineating who's, who's where and where they belong. He'll put, he'll put his sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, what's the criteria for this blessing, for this welcoming into the kingdom? Listen to these words. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. The storyline goes, they look at me, Jesus, what are you talking about? When, did, when, were, when were you hungry? When, when, were you th- when were you in prison? We don't remember you being, what are you talking about? Why, when were you naked? We don't remember seeing that. Jesus goes, listen, add as much as you've done it to the least, you've done it to me. Powerful words. Isn't it amazing? The delineation of, of, of whose sheep and whose goats are those who meet need and those who don't. Now, I think there's kind of a dual meaning here. There are people who are spiritually hungry. Our first need, all of us have, the greatest need any of us have is a spiritual need. We need Jesus. We need God. We need his intervention in our lives. Without him, we, there is no hope of heaven. There's only eternal destruction laying ahead of us. That is our greatest need. Okay? Do not get me wrong. Don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But sometimes the way to tap into meeting that greatest need is to take something a little less intense and meet just a little small little need. Find those who are hungry. What kind of need? Spiritual need? Physical need? You know what we need to be? We need to be need finders. We need to find needs. Sometimes we just wait for things to happen. We should be out searching for ways to meet people where they are. We should be, this love of God that so penetrates our heart should compel us, should propel us to go the extra mile. To do, in fact, Jesus even talked about that at one point in time in, 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 in the book of Matthew. He said, listen, somebody comes along, they need to go to one mile, you go too. They need your coat, give them your cloak also. Find a way to meet it. Find a way to get there. We, Jesus doesn't even stop there. Jesus expands this thing about love your neighbor. He just keeps upping the ante on us. 
Matthew chapter 5, you'll find these words. He expands the reach of love. You've heard it said, Jesus says, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Most of these next lines, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward of you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do even tax collectors also do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. In context, we, I, I hear people say this, you know, God calls us to be holy as he is holy. He calls us to be perfect as he is perfect. And, 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 and it almost always takes on this religious structure, you know, this, you've got, you got, you got your list of I don't do this kind of thing. You know what I mean? And that's how I know I'm, I'm being what God wants me to be, right? In context, that's not what he says at all. He says, here's what makes you a, the son of your father is you love those who hate you. You do good to them. You help them. You bless them. That's what makes you perfect as he is perfect. Is that crazy? It's not, it's not about what you don't do. It's about what you do do. Huh? Am I giving you license to do bad things? Absolutely not. You should be so caught up with doing what God asks of you that you don't have time to worry about what God, God hates and what God doesn't want. There should be something going on in your life right now where you're like, man, I just want to serve Jesus with all my heart. And as you start doing that, man, it's, you're not going to have time to get messed up with trouble. You should, if you love him with all your, if you're obeying those commandments, how do you have time to do anything that's going to get you in trouble? Huh? Listen, here, I kind of like, I, I've just recently seen this movie. Here's another little clip for you. Okay, you like a little clip? Just a little moment and a half clip. Has to do with machines, has to do with meeting needs. All right? Let's take a look at it real quick. And it's animated all at the same time. Check that out. Wow. Take a look around Big Weld Industries. This here is the front gate. Kind of cute, ain't it? Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Mr. Big Weld, sir. Tim, who closed the front gate? Well, I just thought since, uh... Oh, we never shut the gate, Tim. Shutting this gate means shutting out fresh ideas. You see, every day robots come here from hither and yon, bringing us new ideas. And I listen to every single one of them. So remember, whether a bot is made of new parts, old parts, or spare parts, you can shine no matter what you're made of. He's talking to me, Dad. He sure is, son. He sure is. Okay, folks, let's get to invent. You know, I love to tinker, but all the tinkering in the world isn't useful unless it starts with a good idea. So, look around for a need and start coming up with ideas to fill that need. One idea will lead to another, and before you know it, you've done it! See a need, fill a need. 
see a need, fill a need. There's a couple of things in there that kind of, kind of hit where we are. You catch a line, it makes no difference what a, what a bot's made of. Spare parts, good parts, bad parts, old parts. Kind of that good Samaritan thought all over again. Am I right? At the same time, he says, you know what? Your mission, I like the idea. Of, he, said, he said, open the gate. Our Father wants us to be involved in meeting needs so that the gate can be opened. That's what he wants. He wants us to be, in, to be involved in such a way in people's lives that, 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 that as, as we meet their need, the doors fling open to the kingdom of God in their heart and in their lives. He, he, he asks us to do that. Matthew, we said about Matthew 5, expanding the reach of love. You know what Proverbs 25 says? If your enemy's hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. You know what Jesus did? Jesus is our example in that as well. Romans 5, we read this a couple weeks ago. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man some would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom, listen to these words, we have now received the reconciliation. Listen, Jesus saw our need. Our need was we didn't have God. We were doomed. We were messed up. We were not going any place. And he said, you know what? Even though they're my enemies right now, I'm going to step into that need. I'm going to do something about it. I'm responding to it, and out of the response to that need, reconciliation happens. The response to the need created reconciliation. Jesus, while we were sinners, while we were enemies, Jesus says, you know what? I see the need. I can fix the need. I can help the need. I'm going to step into the need. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to be a part of the solution to the problem. You might see great need around you. Maybe you're not the total, you and of yourself are not the total answer. You're just not. You're just a part of the, the piece of the puzzle to help get the answer, usually. Paul wrote, one waters, one sows, God provides the increase. But if we never pay attention to the need, we're never going to step in and sow seed. We're never going to step in and, 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 and water seed. We're just going to go about our lives. Jesus said, Paul said he, he, he saw our need, he met our need. This brought reconciliation to our lives. But listen, 2 Corinthians says this, verse, verse five, uh, chapter 5, 16. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Listen to these words. And he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was reconciling, was in, was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us that word of reconciliation. Now listen to verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The thing is, he starts off by saying, we know no man according to the flesh. Right now, 
any, any barrier, fleshly barrier you put up about why you can't reach certain people, you need to throw that thing down. Makes no difference what their ethnicity is. Makes no difference what their skin color is. Makes no difference what side of town they live on. It makes no difference what their upbringing was. It makes no difference. He says, you know what, don't, know any, don't, don't, don't let those barriers be the things that keep you from doing what you ought to do. Do what you know to do. Let me do the work. He said, no, no man after the flesh. And he says, you know what? He's entrusted us to pass on the reconciliation we've experienced ourselves. He's entrusted us to take what God's given us and pass it along. He's entrusted us with this ministry of reconciliation. He's, he calls us, he says we should carry the word, the word, the word of reconciliation. See, it's not some some people, some ministries get this all ate up. They get so worried about meeting need, they forget to carry the word with them. We gotta carry the word of reconciliation and we gotta act as ambassadors, doing what he would do. Let me read to you a, a piece of commentary from Barnes's notes about this passage of scripture. We are the ambassadors whom Christ has sent forth to negotiate with people in regard to their reconciliation to God. An ambassador is a minister of the highest rank employed by one prince or state at the court of another to manage the concerns of his own prince or state and representing the dignity and power of his sovereign. That's Webster's dictionary that Barnes uses. He is sent to do what the sovereign would do himself were he present. He is sent to do what the sovereign would do himself were he present. They are sent to make known the will of the sovereign. You've got to carry the word. And then negotiate matters of commerce, of war, of peace, and in general, and in general and everything affecting the interests of the sovereign among the people to whom they are sent. He is bound implicitly to obey the instructions of his sovereign, and as far as possible, do only what the sovereign would do were he himself present. You catch those implications there? The, they go not to promote their own welfare, not to seek honor, dignity, or emolument, but they go to transact the business which the Son of God would engage in were he again personally on the earth. The gospel message is God speaking to people through the ministry and entreating them to be reconciled. He says, listen, the best thing we can do is act as Jesus would act. You want to be an ambassador? You want your word of reconciliation to have validity? Act as he would act. Do what he would do were he hear, him, hear himself to do it. That's pretty straightforward. Max Lucado, uh, Rick Strange sent me this quote via email. I loved it. When I saw it, I thought, man, that's powerful. Christianity in its purest form is nothing more than seeing Jesus. Christian service in its purest form is nothing more than imitating him whom we see. To see his majesty and to imitate him, this is the sum of Christianity. Do you catch that? We see what Jesus would do and we imitate him. That is the sum of it. We, we see him, we grab a hold of his majesty, and we do what he would do. So where does that leave us? What, what do we do now? We need to be need fillers. See, I think sometimes... We think the only ministry that can take place is the ministry that takes place on this piece of property inside these four walls when we're doing things that are church-related. 
I found it funny that that priest and that Levite were on their way to go do something, and they just passed by on the other side. But this Samaritan, it didn't, say, it didn't even say the priest and the Levite were even headed any place in particular. It said this, this Samaritan was on a journey. He had some place to get to. And he stops and takes care of it. See, we've got to be, we've got to become seekers of need. We've got to become seekers of hurting people. We've got to become seekers. Jesus said he came to seek and save that which was lost. And if we're going to imitate him, we've got to go find where the needs are and try and meet them the best that we can. You are in your sphere of influence because there's certain need only you can respond to. Jesus puts you there for that purpose. There are people you work with, people you live beside, people you walk down the road next to. Different things like that happen, not because it's just kind of, you know, an act of faith or whatever. Because God's intention is to use you in that arena. We, 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 we put this thing over here on this wall that says worship is a lifestyle. And right next to it is this, this other banner says love is expressed, not just addressed. And right next to it, every believer can minister. Those are there for a reason. Those are to remind you that your Christian life is not to be compartmentalized to a set of religious duties. Your Christian life is to exude in every facet, every arena, every part of who you are. To be a person of integrity is to be a whole person. It's not broken down into parts. Everything about your life is whole. It's unified just like our Father is one. Our Christian, our life should be one and whole, surrounded around the person of Christ. Truly, if you're walking with Jesus, there's nothing secular about you. Your job's not secular. Your entertainment's not secular. Your, your, your friendships are not secular. Your, there's nothing secular about it. If you're loving God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your strength. The very fact you get up and go to work tomorrow is a holy thing, is a divine opportunity, is an opportunity to worship Jesus. Ooh, Listen to me. Stop looking at yourself as the bottom of the totem pole. You are a, what did I read there about the ambassador? Listen. Where is it at? Uh, An ambassador is a minister of the highest rank. Employed by one prince or state to the court of another. To manage the concerns of his own prince or state, representing the dignity and power of his sovereign. Listen, there's nothing about your, your Christianity, your life that's been touched by the person of Christ that's insignificant. Absolutely nothing. You're nothing by yourself. Don't get me wrong here. Our rises is filthy rags. Without the love of God and carrying out these things, it means nothing. We just read it a little bit ago. But listen, being touched and affected by the love of God suddenly changed our lives from something, something small and insignificant to something powerful and eternally having eternal ramifications. That's an awesome thing, man. Huh? You should get amped up about that. Dude, your life is not insignificant. Your life hooked up with Jesus suddenly becomes eternally powerful. It has everything to do with not just what happens today, but what happens for the eternity of other people. Suddenly, that becomes really important, and suddenly, your affections should change. Suddenly, your desires should change. Suddenly, the, the, the status quo and the, the effects of your life should be completely different than, what, than, than where they started. 
had a conversation with somebody this week about convictions. Why are people who love God, why are convictions so, so diverse? So like somebody, somebody can do this and not think nothing about it, but other people are like, dude, I could never do that. And well, I, I can't watch that, but I can't listen to that. But I could listen to that, but I can't watch that. And everybody, how is that possible? Listen, our God is in the process of changing us into the likeness and image of Christ. There ought to be all constantly an assessment in our lives about what we're doing, how we're doing it. There are things about, listen, uh, how you guys like shock therapy? I'm not wearing this for any other reason other than I hate to be in a rut. That's the truth. I hate just doing what I do because that's what I do. I'd much rather be comfortable in a pair of pants, jeans, and a polo shirt like Patrick's got on right now. But you know what? That's what I do every day, and it just loses its significance, and it doesn't mean nothing. And so today, this weekend I thought, dude, I'm throwing on a tie. Why? Because I like ties? Absolutely not. Just because, you know what? I just don't want to get stuck. That I just do. I'm just going through the motions. I haven't lost a bet. I don't have a job interview. All the things everybody's asked me today, none of that's happened. Okay? I just want to be so in touch with Jesus, and I want my life to be so out of the ordinary, and just not normal. I get tired of being normal. I want my life to be holy every moment, every day, not because I'm anything, but because he's everything, and he has got something important for me to accomplish. And you know what? This world can change if, if, if 12 guys, Jesus got the hearts of 12 guys to change their affections, to realize their whole life was about worshiping God. All of a sudden, the world and their culture, their era changed. If 12 of us in this room really start going, you know what? My three main prerogatives every day is a love of the Lord God with all my heart, all my mind, all my strength, all my, all my, all, yeah. all my soul, to love my neighbor as myself, and to love my brother, man, I am going to be doing something significant. Because see, it stopped being about the do's and the don'ts that I do. It's become about love, which is what motivated God, which God is. And if I can do those three things, and I can do them with all my heart, man, watch out. Let me say something else. It's not about me even what I can do. Jesus said in John 15, probably gave us that commandment about loving one another. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So i got to start with his love. i got to end with his love. Without him, I am nothing. Whew. I'm sweating. Listen. It's all about love, folks. It's all about love. God gave us his truth in love. Jesus, remember this, Jesus, Moses gave us the law, but truth and love, grace and truth came through Jesus. Huh? Remember him writing those words? We can't separate. Don't think I'm getting goofy. This word of God is the most powerful thing on the planet. It does not change. You can't manipulate it. You can't make it say what you want it to say. It's a foundation. It's strong. But I can do everything in this book and still miss it because my motivation's wrong. The commandments are, the most important commandments are, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself and love one another. I gotta get those right before I can even hope to get the rest of it right. Based on this thing right here that does not change. 
So where do we go now? Now that I've opened my soapbox and started sweating. What do we do now? Number one, we could go back to where we started. Start with the love of God again. Loving God will do, do three things for us at least. It'll do a lot more than that, actually. This is but where we're going. This will help us. If we put all of our love and our affection towards God, it will do three things for us. It will show us what to do. It will teach us who to reach. It will teach us how to reach them. We get wrapped up with him so much that he can just speak to us fluidly. Dude, it's going to be amazing. If you don't know Jesus in here today, today's a great day. I know the sun's shining outside, but there's more of the sun shining inside here than there is going on out there. And today would be a great day to know him. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, today is the day of salvation. Don't you walk out of this building without being allowed to be introduced to Jesus? His love for you says even though you were an enemy of his, even though you didn't understand what he wanted for you, he died for you anyway, he loves you. He's waiting for you to come and embrace him today. Number two, love one another. We, gotta get, we still can't get past that. First John says we prove we're in his light by loving the brethren, loving each other. It adds validity. It adds fruitfulness to our ministry. See, in John 15, before he gives that new commandment, he said, he said he's the vine, we're the branches. God desires us to bear fruit. And he goes on to say, he says, and then right before he starts this discourse about this new commandment, he goes, my father wants to be glorified in your lives. And he goes, this is how you do it. You love one another. See, if we're going to love other people, we've got to start with loving God. We've got to love each other because the degrees go that way. Love God with everything we got. Love our neighbor more than we love ourselves. Love our brothers more than we love ourselves. Let their interests be more important than our own interests. And then love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So we've got to go down this progression, you see. Because they out there don't want to know about the love of Jesus if they don't see it being exuded amongst us. They will know we are Christians by our... We've got to get that right. We let so many things separate us as brothers and sisters. It's just this craziness. It's just wild. Number two, number three, love our neighbor. You know what this does? We all, we all would agree the Great Commission is something we've got to follow through with, Right? I heard somebody say a few months ago, we fulfill the Great Commission by following the Great Commandments. You want to fulfill the Great Commission? Follow the Great Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. You'll find yourself fulfilling the Great Commission if you're doing those things. What else? We can't, I said, we, we can't do anything without his help. Huh? With, apart from me, you can do nothing, right? What he said? I can remember being a young teenage boy and having one of my youth pastors share a message about the fruit of the Spirit. He said, you want know the, the fruit of the Spirit do for, do for you? They make you otherish. I got that same look all the rest of you. I went, otherish. What does otherish mean? He said, it's the opposite of selfish. And I went, wow, Okay. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Without our connection to him, whew, we can't even get to love our God. We can't get to love one another. We can't get to loving our neighbor because we just don't have the capacity. We don't have the equipment. We need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the fruit of the Spirit. We need everything the Holy Spirit can give us we need. Everything. Huh. Maybe 
your Holy Spirit. Reservoirs low. Today would be a good day to get a fill up. Your spiritual gas tank may run a little bit empty. Maybe it's completely empty. Maybe you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't know. But you know what? You need his help more than you need another breath. You need his involvement in your life more than you need anybody else's input or insight because Jesus said he'd send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit would be the one that got us in all truth. You need him. As we close this morning, I want to introduce those of you who need to know him to Jesus. I want to remind you that, that as a Christian brother or sister, you still need to continue to work on your love quotient with other brothers and sisters. And if you've not yet dealt with those things, man, before we can go to, go to love our neighbor, we got to take care of that one. You know what? Once we got that one right, we got to make a commitment to Christ. We're going to love our neighbor. We're going to, you know, we're going to see their needs. We're going to meet it. Just stand with me. I like for any of our group leaders who are present to come. If you have need, Jesus came to meet need. Don't leave here without having somebody pray with you about any need, every need you've got. If you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is Him. If your Holy Spirit reservoir is low or empty, you need a fresh filling from Him. There'd be a good place to come up here and get a fill-up. Am I right, Brother Bill? There'd be a good place to come up and get a fill-up. Right, Rick? Right, Sean? Today would be a good day to reconnect, to connect at a level you've not had at least for a while or ever. So you can fulfill these great commandments, these three awesome things God gave you. They're all there for you. Somebody to do something for you.